a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Ron and Anian. What is it with people that it really bothers them that you drive and build your car your way and not to what they want. The car doctor. Wiring diagrams are so darn critical to this business, whether you're doing it as a professional or whether you're doing it as a weekend warrior. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Kind of nice to be back in the studio this week. I'm here at 855-560-9900. Boy, was that a crazy show last week? I hope you had as much fun at listening to it as we did doing it. Uh, is that proper English? We'll make it proper English today. I can get away with anything. And just great to get out there and see everybody. I, I don't know the final car count. Uh, from what I understand, it was upwards of 1,500 cars for the weekend out there at the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Weekend uh, last weekend, bash number four in Mawa, New Jersey. But I have to tell you, a lot of firsts, a lot of great things on many fronts for me. Uh, the most, which I think was, that was the most fun I ever had driving to the radio show because I got to drive the hot rod. And um, it's been, I, I don't think I've ever, ever gotten to drive uh, Black 2 to a radio show and um, you know, go to work. Imagine driving your hot rod to work every day. How cool would that be? Well, this radio show is about cars. If you're new and you're just tuning in, we're here to solve your problem, talk to you about it. Maybe you're bashful going into your mechanic, or maybe you just plain don't know and you're afraid to admit it. Well, I'm here to help. That's really what this radio show is here for. We're here to take you, the listener, here to take you, the the car owner, and uh, talk to you about that problem and make you not so bashful and put you in a position of strength so that when you're talking to your mechanic, you have some parity and you can uh, you can achieve what you want to achieve and keep that car going for many miles and keeping you safe and reliable out on the road. I had dinner this week with a friend. Um, I, I tend to... I, I go out a lot to eat with, with guys from the industry, and I like getting out and talking to guys from the industry. I think it's important, and it gives me perspective. Just like doing this radio show gives me perspective. It it tells me what's going on out there that maybe I'm not seeing. And he had just started a new job. He was with this one dealership group for about 12 years, and he started with a new dealership group. And it was interesting, he said to me, that we were talking about differences. And I asked him, what differences have you seen in the couple of months that you've been with the new guys? And he said, I've got to tell you, Ron, he goes, this is one of the reasons I'm starting to move around because I'm concerned about my career. He said, you can see that the repair and maintenance of automobiles is changing an awful lot and awful quick. And I said, how so? And he said, for the longest time at the dealership where he was at, they were always selling fluid flushes. And he said they typically start selling fluid flushes at the 15,000 mile mark and then at 30, then at 45, then at 60, then at 75 and so on. And he said, the thing I didn't like about it with the old dealership group was that everybody, the service writers were all on commission. And I said, well, that's no newsflash. Everybody kind of knows that, that, you know, most places uh, put service writers on commission. It kind of keeps them on their toes. I don't agree with it, and I think it's wrong because it creates the kind of problem he was just about to tell me. And he said, yeah, but, 
you know, he said the problem is, he goes, every time they sell a flush, they make five bucks. And he said there's a brand, and I'm not going to mention the brand here on air, but there's a brand of chemical that a lot of the dealers use as as their source of flushing. And every time they sell one of those flushes in various systems on the car, they put a little sticker on the order. And every time they get to the end of the day, they add up those stickers. And for every sticker, they get five bucks. And he said, the problem I've got is they're starting to do those flushes as early as 15,000 miles. And he said, I've got to tell you, the particular line of cars I was at, and I won't say where, because I don't want to I don't want to put anybody in a bad light. This could be any dealership, any repair shop, really. He said 15,000 miles, they don't really need anything. They're 2014 model year vehicles. And he said as a matter of fact, he goes one service rider was selling power steering flushes on a car with electric power steering. And the people that owned the car didn't realize it and they were approved and actually the head service manager, he says the guy above me, the service director, caught it and reprimanded him and Finally got him to stop doing it because that's just theft out and out deception. And he said, I think this is a problem in the industry. And I said, you think? I said, I'll go back two years when California had that article. They called it wallet flushing, where there was a rampant problem in California where they've actually talked about making it legislation, limiting how many flushes can be sold or how flushes are sold or what sort of services are required by the dealerships and it's it's a very hot topic out in California. I said, you know, the bottom line came back to, and I've said this for years, it's you've got to have that relationship with your mechanic. You've got to have that relationship with the writer. You've got to know who and what you're dealing with. You know, the other day I had to get a haircut. And my, my barber was closed this week, and someone said to me, hey, go to my guy. He's right up here, and, uh, you know, we can get your haircut in and out and zip, zip. And I said, you know, I've had a relationship with Tony for 23 years. I don't think I'm ready to change barbers yet for that reason. It's um, it's kind of a tough thing to do. And like your haircut, you know, the car is kind of personal. It's about the relationship. That is, if you really want one. On the plus side, though, I said to him, I said, you got to look at the positive. I said, if they continue to sell those flushes, that means those service riders can buy an awful lot of lawn furniture. And um, at least the lawn industry, or the lawn furniture industry is going to be doing well. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. We have a full slate this hour and the hour after that. We've got a lot of things going on. Let's kick open the garage doors right away. And welcome Bob, Phillipsburg, New Jersey, 2008 Audi. And some questions about a scan tool. Robert, how can I help you today? Yes, good afternoon, by the way. That event last weekend was awesome. Yeah, good. I'm glad you had a good time. It was nice seeing you, and it was a pleasure meeting your wife. Yeah, I mean the the people and the cars and and uh, it was it was awesome. The words can't describe it. Yeah, it's you had to be there. But anyway, what do you got? All right, uh, Audi A uh, the A three that I just purchased, uh, uh, Ross Tech. Uh, uh, I borrowed and I put on it, and I wanted to see if I could get any uh, updates from uh, Audi and uh, you know the software. Uh, is this something that I need to take it to the dealer, or like, do you have any scan tools that can give me updates for this thing, or what? What are you looking to do? You want to do reflashing on the computer? Well, no, just to see if the, if Addy has offered any updates uh, that are available, you know, in general. Uh, uh, updates, you mean in terms of uh, updates for the operating system of the vehicle, Bob? Or you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. the, the way you're going to do that is, yeah, you're going to go out to. You're going. I'm sure there's an Audi website where you can plug in a VIN, and it'll tell you updates available. But before you know, you just blindly start to flash. And I don't recommend that. I'd like to know what kind of problem I'm trying to solve, if any. 
you know, you can go to like all data, for example, put in your make model a car and start reading bulletins and look to see are there any updates that way. Ross Tech might provide that, but the problem's going to be that Ross Tech may tell you there's a flash, or even all data might tell you there's a flash, but to get it, you would have to download the software and use J2534 or dealer-compatible scan tool through the manufacturer's website, and that would require a subscription of some type. Software updates for cars are not free. The manufacturers do not provide them as a courtesy. Uh, to tell you the truth, they're very hesitant to provide them at all it, from what I see. And if you choose to do it, you're going to pay for it. I see. Now, do they stop supporting uh, things after, you know, after so many years on this? I have, I have not seen software updates be limited in terms of, you know, no longer supported. But you will find that parts for the car will make it to the point where you may not be able to keep it because they won't be around. In other words, the hardware won't be available, but you'll be able to get the software. Software is cheap and easy to keep. It's on a server somewhere. It's the hardware that if you ever need it, that's going to be the problem. It's a learning curve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all a learning curve. I went from a 96 to a 2008, and my God. Yeah. It's like like driving. It's like going from, you know, a game of checkers to now you're driving a giant pinball machine. But, yep, you got it. Hey, Bob, let me run. The clock's going to grab me. I'm running Annie in the car, Doctor, 855-560-9900. We've got a lot coming up. Stick around. I'll be back right after this. Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900 here to take your calls and answer your questions. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think the week or the two weeks before the remote last week, we received a call from a gentleman in Long Island who had taken his Honda into the dealership. And if you recall, he was talking about how he had some brake repair work done that he wasn't expecting, and he had asked the dealership to hold on to the parts. He wanted to see the stuff that uh, he was paying to have replaced. And they didn't, and it created quite a controversy for him. And uh, last I understand, he's talking to the folks up at Albany, New York, at the Motor Vehicle Division there. But that wasn't enough for us. We wanted to reach out to and ourselves and find out just what exactly is procedure for all our New York listeners. And we went out to one of the best, Sandy from the Tire Warehouse in Spring Valley, New York, and we've got him on the line with us right now. Sandy, are you there, sir? I'm here listening to you. Uh, you know, I don't know if you had heard that call a couple of weeks back. The, the fella had gone into the repair shop, and uh, he was out on Long Island, and he asked for the parts to be held, and they said sure. And when he got there, he paid for the car. No parts. Um, you know, like I, I heard that, and you said something very interesting because it makes a huge difference. You said when he got there, did he ask for the parts on the phone? Yes. Or did he ask the parts when he was originally in the shop, in the uh, repair shop? The way I understand it, he asked for the parts on the phone when they called him to upsell him the brake job that they said he needed. He originally went in for an emissions problem, and while the car was there, because he was surprised that they said he needed brakes because, and I forget what his reason was, either the car was stopping well, which to me isn't legit because there are a lot of cars that can be stopping well that still need brakes. But Sure, calipers will stop the sure. car. Sure, 
uh, you know, he kind of gave an indication, if I remember right, that he had looked at the brakes and there weren't anything wrong with them, or his mechanic had take, looked at the brakes. He had taken into the Honda dealer for something because it was something they had to do, either a recall or just some sort of mandatory service dealer only for whatever reason. But the conversation was about he had asked for the brake parts to be returned to him, and they didn't. So what's the procedure in New York? What are the requirements? Well, the law, if that's what you're asking me for, yes. DMV has specific laws. They have guidelines. And the law is that if you go and you have a repair shop do work on your car, while you're there, if you want to keep the parts, you're actually required to give it to them in writing, believe it or not. Uh, I can't imagine any shop not just returning it to you if they ask for them, but the law says that they have to give it to you if it's given in writing. However, and the reason I asked you about this particular guy, was he there or was on the phone? If you're upsold, if a... If a service writer or dispatcher, whoever it is that's calling you and then sells you something over the phone, you have to keep the parts until they come and pick up the car. That's required. And a customer is entitled to see it, too, sure. especially if you're selling something over the phone. Procedurally, that's a different question. That's not legally. Procedurally, my shop, for example, we like to bring the customer, if they're in the shop, we like to bring them in to see the car. We like to show them exactly what we're talking about. 99% of the time, they won't ask for the part because they're already seeing it on the car. Right. And, and to but me, that builds the trust factor and that builds the relationship, and that's what it's all about. You never have a customer that says, oh, do I really need it after you've shown it to them. Right. Right. So, so it takes all that away, and I agree with you. It's, it's that same barber. It's Tony all over again. Right. You deal with Tony cutting your hair for 23 years. You're not going to tell him what you need because he already knows what you need. Right. You, you know what you got. So, so the question becomes then, the dealership, when he, when he walked into the dealership or the repair shop, was it dealership in this case, but just any, any repair facility in, in any state, but we'll talk New York specifically, they required him to sign a document, right? I mean, they required him uh, the to repair sign order, a repair correct. order. Um, somewhere on that repair order, isn't he given the option also, or is he not to check off the well, box? I, I want I don't all parts. Know, I don't. You know, everybody can have that differently. There's no requirement that you okay. put that on your work order. Okay. But if they want the parts, they are required to put it in writing. Again, I can't imagine. I would never say write it out, but I'm not giving you your parts back. But the law says that you have to put it in writing if you're in the shop. Now, what's his recourse? Because now he he had asked for parts to be returned to him, and what would be the recourse for somebody that that's in this situation? Where do they you go? You got a from couple here? of options. You can go directly to court. Uh, the judge will make a decision. Right. Uh, according to DMV, now this is really interesting. I called DMV and I asked them about it. And they wouldn't answer my question. They got nervous, and they transferred me to a communications department, which I never knew existed. <laughs> and it took a couple of phone calls before they got back to me with the right people, because I heard that I might be speaking about this on the radio station, and they were sort of afraid to make a decision. But their exact definition, can I read this to you? Sure, yeah, go ahead. You're entitled to the return of all replaced parts except warranty and exchange parts. Some parts are cores, by the way, so you have to return them in order to get the new part at a reasonable, you know, right. affordable price. Right. Uh, without the core, you're paying more money for it. So those, under those conditions, you don't have to return those parts. But you must ask for them in writing before any work is done. If you authorize work by phone, the shop must keep any replaced parts and make them available when you pick up the vehicle. Interesting. Um, I, I went a step further, and I said, well, what about punishment? And here's a guy, a shop, he refuses to return parts. He likes to sell parts, doesn't like to return them and show the customer. And they said... And this is interesting, too, because they can give you demerits and they can close you up. But for, to actually punish you under a particular case, there may be penalties, but that would be up to the respective administrative law judge. 
So they're leaving it up to the judge to decide what the punishment might be. But in fact, there will be punishment. Right. So it sounds like a continuing saga. Bottom line, Sandy, let's close it up. Let's say uh, it's about the relationship with the shop and the customer back and forth. It's a relationship. A legitimate shop isn't going to hide anything from you. A legitimate shop wants to show you what you need so you understand and therefore trust them. Right. And then if you don't and somebody wants the parts, why in the world wouldn't you give them back? We have a tendency. We have a routine. We keep barrels. We keep metal parts in one barrel. We keep uh, other salvageable parts, when I say salvageable, scrap in other barrels. And this way a customer says, you know what, I didn't see it. Can I, you still got that part? I can take the guy, I can take the tech, and I can show him exactly what came off his car. Right, right. That's, so, I'll tell you what, I'm here for you if you yeah, need me, and I love listening to you. That's why he's our guy in New York, Sandy, the Tire Warehouse, Spring Valley, New York. Thanks, Sandy. Go back and enjoy the rest of your day off. My pleasure, you too. I'm mm-hmm. listening in. You take good care. You know, that's and, and that's really the fact. It's, it's about the relationship. It really is. Let's real quick, let's go over to Don in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 2011 Kia. Some questions about brakes. Don, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Yes, I have a 2011 Kia that I bought two years ago uh, used. It's got about 20,000 miles. And lately when I've been taking it in for just routine maintenance, oil change, that type of thing, they've been trying to upsell me to an inspection process on the brakes that they say is a potential problem because of in the wintertime in Iowa, of course, with all the ice, sludge, and snow, they have to put a salt solution out. Okay. And they say the salt solution has a has a has the ability to uh, to uh, cause problems with the undercoating on the car. Now that I said, fine. If that's the case, go ahead and do it. And they say, well, unfortunately, you're going to pay us for it. And it's a substantial cost on this thing on the front end to have these inspected. This is not necessarily saying there's a problem, but and if they and if they have to be replaced, of course, that's additional cost. Uh, and, and I guess uh, uh, I've been putting them off on the thing because I didn't feel I had a brake problem. But I did get from Kia something called a voluntary service campaign. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not. Go ahead. But it has to do with uh, with a voluntary taking the car in and getting the undercoating uh, added to or, or, or increased uh, in, in areas where we have this salt issue, this salt problem. Uh, because they're concerned about the corrosion. Now, they talked about maybe the, the corrosion being on the, I think they used the term spindle or calipers. I'm not sure what, I don't understand okay. brakes. I'll tell you what, Don, but, let me pull uh, over. Let said, me, Don, let me pull over and take this pause. I've got an answer for you. Let me deal with it when I come back. I don't want to rush this, and uh, we'll get to the bottom of it for you and help you out. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and the Indian Car Doctor taking this ride this hour with you at 855-560-9900. I should point out also, cardoctorshow.com has more information about this radio show, as well as podcasts and uh, some of the weekly and monthly happenings here at the Car Doctor. Let's go back to Don in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Don, you're still there, sir. I am, sir. Thank um, you. 2011 Kia, the conversations about the dealer trying to sell you, it sounds like, a rust coating after the vehicle purchase uh, because of your bad winters in Iowa, fair statement? Well, not, 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 what he wants to sell me is an inspection uh, and to see if there's a problem because of the potential undercoating uh, issue. And, but then, then I've got to take the car in next Tuesday to get some undercoating added to it, but uh, 
this this had just to do with the with the brakes, and he wants to sell me uh, uh, and, and charge me for it. Charge me to inspect each of the four wheels for this uh, for this problem. Okay, uh, spindle or caliper, whatever. How, how much does he want to charge you for this, Don? Eighty dollars a tire. So he wants to charge you almost four hundred dollars to inspect the brakes. Three hundred twenty dollars. Three hundred twenty dollars. Okay, and and is is this a fault in the vehicle as per Kia, or is this something the dealer has? No, this this has to do with the uh, with the salt that's put on the roads in the, in, in, in wintertime. Uh, it's such a corrosive thing, I guess, that they are running into problems. They're they, also running into problems with with tail exhaust systems. Okay, and they, other have, they have they have they have anything in writing that explains this. Yeah, just... they do. They have this uh, what they call a voluntary service campaign. Yeah, can you email it and, to and, me? And uh, it's it's got yeah. what they're going to do is they're going to actually bring it in. They're going to add undercoating to certain areas. They don't okay. say exactly where. Right? Can you? They're going to. Well, can you can you email me a copy of that notice? Is that possible? I can. Uh, I can get your email address. Can I, can I get your email address yeah, pretty easily? Yeah, easy. Ron at cardoctorshow dot com. That's uh, easy. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, because I want to see this. Okay. You, you know, because here's here's my perspective. All right. You know, if if the problem is in Iowa, I got news for you. The problem better be in Maine because I think Maine's got a bigger salt brine yeah, issue I, than 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 any state. Over. Yeah. It's and I'm not hearing yeah, about this from anybody else. Um, I'm not either. I, I talked to I'm a mechanic here locally, and he never heard of this. Right. So I'm just wondering if it's legitimate, you know, and I and I need to do it for safety purposes. I will do it. Right. Or are we buying uh, lawn just, furniture? I'm just not convinced at this right. point. Are we, are we uh, buying you know. lawn furniture for the writer? And then last thing I'm going to leave you with, and then I'm going to run, is take a look online. Go look at a product called Fluid Film. Fluid Film. They use it on all the they use it on all the plow trucks. I've been using it for the past two years. I know professional commercial snow plowers that use this product. It's a spray-on corrosion inhibitor that prevents the particular problems that you're describing to me. That's why I want to read what the dealer has to say to see if we're talking about the same thing. Fluid films about eleven, twelve dollars a can. Up in the air, it's a little caustic. You've got to wear some protective mask and so forth. Spray it on, and we're done. Conversation's over. It's not hundreds of dollars and uh, this big long involved process so uh, let's take this one step at a time don we can always spend the money in two weeks and uh, send you back to the dealer but email me that copy and i'll comment on it we can talk further so uh just keep me posted let me know what happens thank you and you have a good rest of the day let's go over to another don don this is don this gentleman is from last week actually he appeared with me in the first hour he was a nice enough guy to pull his power wagon up in front of the hotel where we were at the wild hot rod party for the folks at dead man's curve and uh, we decided to bring him back this week i had a couple of questions and a bit of a surprise for him. Don, welcome back to the car doctor, sir. How you doing, Ron? All right, you're uh, you're traveling this week too, by the way, aren't you? Where are you where are you today? Yes, sir. Me and my wife and the truck are up here as you can hear at the Adirondack Nationals up here in Lake George. Oh wow, you're uh yeah, hardcore hot rodders out there having fun. You've got the forty one Dodge with you today, of course, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, you know, sir. Yeah. You know, one thing we never talked about last week, and I'll just be brief. I know you guys are having a good time. The tires on that truck, how big were those tires? And then what rear ends are in that truck? I don't recall it's, uh, us talking about that. They're 39.5 Super Swampers, and right. there's 1960-some-odd uh, international rears with 355 gears in it. Now, when you built when you build a truck like that, Don, do you have it all written down somewhere so 2 years from now if you need a part or a widget, you know where to chase and how to go about it? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, like I said, Cliff Butter from Sinister Customs built the truck and we have a pretty detailed list of everything that's gone in it and 
and what we have, you know, going on with it. You see, and you see parts as, you know, the biggest, is parts one of the big problems today in restoration? Uh, you know what? Rust. Yeah. Rust is the biggest issue. Yeah. yeah. Rust never <laughs> sleeps, right? Fortunately, no. this is a good a good truck to begin with, and, uh, you know. Yeah, it's we it's got, we got we got along with it, and it's we've been very happy. I I, I got to tell you, it was a fan favorite last weekend, that's for sure. And listen, on that note, and I meant to do this last weekend, but it was just so plum crazy. And unless you were there, you don't understand what crazy is from last weekend. Oh, yeah. um, one of our sponsors, LMC Truck, they're a great bunch of guys. They're truck people, and we're we're gonna right. give you and send you out the twenty five dollar gift certificate this week along with an LMC truck or uh, hat t-shirt or hat or t-shirt. And uh, I want you to stay on the line fast. Harry's going to get your info, and you can also get a catalog from them. And uh, you know what? That would I, be great. I want you to know that I like that truck, and the car doctor wants to do what he can to help make your life easier with it. Should you ever need parts for it, you can go over to LMC Truck, and they'll help you out. All right, sir? You got it. Thanks right. again, Ron. You're very welcome, care. Don. Everybody hello from Lake George. All right, you take good care, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next Hot Rod event. Yeah, uh, super big truck, folks. And if you didn't see it, we're going to have to get some pictures up. We, uh, Our photographer took over 300 pictures of last week's event. We started to post them out at the Facebook page, and um, we're going to get more up in the coming weeks as we uh, continue to move forward with this radio show. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, and I'm back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and the Indian, the car doctor, rolling along this hour. Get out to cardoctorshow.com for more information and podcasts of this radio show. And let me point out, if you want to do the podcast thing, you can get out to either tunein.com or subscribe via iheart.com or itunes.com, and you can take this radio show with you and get it to appear in your inbox any which way you'd like. Let's get over to the phones once again and go back to Ray, or go over to Ray, Long Island, 2006 Ford Explorer. Ray, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron, how you doing? Great show. I listen all the time. Thank you, sir. What's going on? Question. I had four new tires put on the Explorer, all right? Okay. And same original size. And um, a couple of days afterwards, I'm driving down the road, and the um, ABS light comes on. The four-wheel drive engages automatically by itself. The car slows down to a crawl. I could hardly move it. I just touched the gas, and... And the brake pedal is bouncing up and down, you know, as the ABS is activating. I'm on a dry road. Now, I take it into my uh, mechanic. Guy tells me right front hub bearing is bad. The sensor and the hub bearing is an integral part, and he has to replace the whole bearing and the sensor at once. Sounds reasonable. Okay, yes, it it did. And I looked into it, and it did. He replaced it, no problem. The only problem is when I'm out on a highway, I'm getting a vibration uh, on the floor, a slight vibration at about 65 miles an hour. I had the tire, I thought it was a bouncing in the tires. I had the tires rebalanced in two different tires, two different places, and it still didn't help. I brought it back to the guy. He looked at everything. He says he couldn't see anything wrong. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, maybe if the rotors are warped because the ABS was activating so bad or nah. the four-wheel drive went into How's it? Let me, the transfer let me, case. Let, let me ask you, Ray, when you, you know, 
drive along 60 miles an hour and just step on the brake, a normal brake application? Does the steering wheel dance at all? Is it a normal stop? No. No, no, I tried that. I okay. dabble a little bit in auto mechanics. Okay. I know a little bit about it. Then, but uh, now I tried that. And uh, the, the rotors don't seem to be warped. No, and I don't. I don't. From from your description, it doesn't sound like a brake issue. The only way you're going to know for sure is to really is to pull the four wheels off, set up a dial indicator on a magnetic base, and dial indicate the rotors for runout. But it doesn't. It doesn't sound like a a a brake rotor scenario to me. Is it possible? And I'm I'm talking off the top of my head. Is it possible one of the new tires has an issue? New doesn't mean good. New means never, ever worked. You may find, and I don't know that I would go here first, but you may find that moving the tires around changes or modifies the vibration. If you can accurately and consistently reproduce it at 65 miles an hour through the floor like you feel it in the seat of your pants, is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, no, I feel it more on the floor. Right. Okay, right? but a big vibration. Right. I feel it more on the floor, but I didn't have it before. You know, before which? Before the tires or before the wheel bearing? No, before the tires. Okay, then you may want to move the tires front to back. Put the tires in a different position. I'd mark them before I'd move them, just to see does moving the tires change the frequency or the oscillation or the vibration level at all? Do you all of a sudden start to pick it up in the steering wheel? If that's the case, then one of the tires that went from back to front has an issue, and it would need to be looked at on the on the balancer again. Now, it's possible also, should you find that you suspect this is a balance issue, it might be interesting to see if they took the tire, deflated it, moved the tire 180 or 90 degrees on the wheel, put it back together, right. and balanced it again. What we're doing is we're playing with the concentricity or the, the lateral runout of the tire to the rim. In other words, everything has a different center line, and we're changing it because I do find and about, the balancing wouldn't compensate for that. It might. It? it will. It will compensate it to a degree, but if you want to take a harder look at that, go out and Google road force wheel balancing, and understand what that is. And that that takes wheel balancing down to the umpteenth level. It compensates for the out of roundness of a tire, and how it affects itself when it sits on the rim and the load of it on the road. So there is, a, uh-huh. there is a higher level of wheel balancing available. Spinning tires on the rim is a, is a cheaper way. It's the poor man's way of doing it. It's the way I was taught way too many years ago. Um, uh, yeah. you, you can find that make a difference. If we, if we get past the tires where, where it's not the tires, Ray, and we decide, okay, there isn't a tire issue here, then the last thing I would tell you to look at before we go any further is – Ask your mechanic to put a hose clamp on the drive shaft and uh-huh. put a put a quarter ounce of wheel weight on it. The main drive shaft. Yeah, the main dr- the, the main drive jo- shaft. The CV joint. No, the main drive shaft. This yeah. is this is from the center of the vehicle, which center of the vehicle to me sounds more. And again, this is a touchy feely thing, but this sounds like do we have a drive shaft? Did the drive shaft? You know, this truck's ten years old. How rusted is the drive shaft? Did the drive shaft lose a weight? And for that matter, if you inspect the drive shaft, is there a spot weld somewhere on the drive shaft where there once was a weight? Did it by chance happen to fall off when the truck went into this ABS event and you just started noticing it? You know, repairing cars is is a dangerous task for both parties 
because after you pay somebody money, you tend to be more sensitive and pay more attention to what's going on. And not just yeah, you, yeah. everybody. You're more in tune. You know, it's like after you get the house painted, all of a sudden you notice every once in a while a bird flies over and, and does his <laughs> business. And you go, you know what? That happens one more time. There's going to be one less blackbird in the world. So uh, well, I always thought I always thought that maybe it was the, um, the transfer case or the torque converter and the transmission doing this. Well, that, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things it could be. But, yeah. but if you take what I told you and, and, and go it in steps, at least you've got a diagnostic approach on how to, uh, on how to you know, a- approach this before we start randomly pulling at things. Again, it could be tire-related. You noticed it after the tires, but there's a lot of things, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and following things in a logical sequence will help eliminate cost, not necessarily time. Let me know what happens, Ray, and I'll be glad to talk about it again with you if the problem continues. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron Nini and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. If we're not here, call. Leave a message. Fast Harry will call you back. Let's get over and talk to Chris in Nebraska. Some car advice for an older sister and a uh, Lexus. Chris, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hey, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for uh, what you do. I found the show three years ago, and I've been hooked since. Oh, thank thank you. you, sir. Glad to be here for you. What can I do for you today? Well, first, uh, my sister has been looking for a, a newer car. She was looking at the new Lexus NX, and, mm-hmm. and going and looking at it, um, the, the price point and how they won't budge, we kind of determined that maybe we want to look for a, a three-year-old used somewhat uh, luxury car in the same same realm as the Lexus NX. And I was wondering if you had any recommendations in that field and whether or not I'd be able to maintain it. What do you do for a living, Chris? Um, I'm a diesel electrician. I work on locomotives, and I tear apart cars on the side. Okay, so yeah, you're you're, you're working with your hands, so I, I get it. Um, uh, you can you'll probably be able to maintain it up to a point. The the the, the problem's going to be, you know, when you need something electronic done, and without a scan tool, you're 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 up the creek. Uh, so you know, could okay. you could you do the oil changes and the tire rotations and some of the basic brakes? Yeah. Um, where you can't do brakes, for example, I'll tell you the story real quick. A friend of mine I went to high school with called me the other week. He somehow got roped into putting rear brakes on a late model Mercedes. And he said, you know, I can't get the brake calipers to release. And I said, yeah, they're electric brake calipers. This car's got an electric parking brake. And a lot of people don't realize until they get into it that you need a scan tool just to work on the brakes. So that being said, my point is electronics are just permeated everywhere in the vehicles. So can you do the oil change? Yeah. The question is, why would you have to, and why do you want to? Um, what you want to do is you want to find a shop, whether it be a dealer or an independent, that, that makes sense to you and, and, and can medicate the car accordingly. So that being said, all right, uh, you know, Lexus, great car. The NX, nice car. Something along those lines. Uh, you know, if she's got her heart set on that, she's got to start looking at some of the other luxury SUVs, but none of those cars can you work on if you can't work on that level you can't work on any of the others at that level how would you feel um how do you think she'd feel about a ford escape as she looked at them 
she has, and I know I've I've heard you recommend it, that. You said your daughter has one, yeah, and, and that's, I can't get her. I can't get her pushed into that car. Right, and you know what? You don't want to push her into the car. So I think instead of focusing on something else, because anything else at that level, and, you know, I get it. People want what they want. You know, life's too short. Let's have a party. Um, I think what you want to do is, you know, find a repair place that she can trust. So where I would start that search is the best kept secret in auto repair is go talk to a parts house. Auto parts houses know who returns parts. They know who the idiots are, and they know who the good guys are in plain English. They know what's going on behind the scenes because they talk to the repair shops every day. And I would march into your local auto parts store and say, hey, who do you trust? Here's what I'm thinking of buying. Do you think they can help me and they can work on this in a safe, professional, reliable manner? Best tip I got for you today, Chris. I appreciate the call. I'm Ron Anady and the Car Doctor. Until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya!